We've been going through this book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3 specifically. And it's been over those seven letters to those seven specific churches in that Asia area. And, and uh, the question that I began with was this. Would you, would you like to have a personal letter sent to the church, to this congregation? Would you like to hear what Jesus would have to say? I think at the time, he said, yeah. I kind of want to know how you feel now. After, after going through a majority, we have one more church that we're going to look at. That's that church in Laodicea. And, and we've gone through some weighty things. We've gone through some, some encouragement as well. Uh, I, I mean, if we received a letter, I don't know how you felt, but man, conviction is the word that comes to mind. That message to Ephesus, who was doing really well. I mean, even pursuing and uh, are, are persevering and, and uh, uh, a number of things, standing against false teaching, and yet, what was the message? Return to your first love. Repent. And, and it, was, it was like the worst thing. You, you have left your first love. You know, as we become Christians, the idea is wherever we start, we're going to grow in those areas, not decline. Well, Ephesus was declining in their love. Uh, I think about a couple other uh, messages that we could receive from that that I think is very important is the message of the gospel and the importance of the Word of God that it needs to be valued. And there was a couple of churches, uh, Pergamum and Thyatira, that had to be told, you are tolerating false teaching, teaching from the Nicolaitans and, and also that Jezebel who's in your church and embracing the things of, or being involved in the things of sexual immorality and idolatry and, and other things. So they received a, a pretty stern rebuke and a call to repentance. And Sardis, wake up! <laughs> Maybe that's a good way to start your sermon. Wake up! Uh, but, but they were known in the community to be alive, but Jesus said, you're dead. We're, we're at the church of Laodicea now. Uh, Laodicea was located even further south from where Philadelphia, where we were last week, and, and a little farther west. What's unique about uh, Philadelphia is that where it was built, where it was located, it was located not according to natural resources, which back then was really important, uh, it was built on a, on a major roadway through Asia. It, it was it pop, popular for trade. So, of course, the same thing could be said about uh, Laodicea as, as it has about the last three or four churches or, or, or communities, that it was wealthy. Laodicea was probably the wealthiest being on this roadway, and, and as, well as, uh, uh, as well as the fact that, that they... Uh, also, oh, we're very pagan. I didn't want to miss that. They were pagan. Uh, some have known it as the little Athens. Athens was the one, the, the one place that had all kinds of idols. And so Laodicea had that title. Now, I'm, we're going to read through this. It's Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. Here's Jesus' letter to this church. But before we do, I want you to notice there is no persecution that's taking place in Laodicea, nor are they having trouble with any false teaching. And yet, this is, this is one, of the, one of the toughest letters from Jesus to the church. Let's begin. Verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, 
These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so you you can become rich, and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness and solve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. As I said, this is one of the more difficult letters. Each, each of the letters, you'll notice that it has a description of the one speaking. It has a description of Jesus. In this one, uh, it, it begins with the words, I, excuse me, it begins with these words that these are the words of the amen. We're familiar with amen, you know, the proper way to pray. We know the proper way to conclude a sermon. I mean, a, a, a prayer is with amen, Right? Do we know and understand what amen means? It means that's true. It is true. It is right. So at the conclusion, we say, man, let it be so, or or, this is true. So what does it mean when it says Jesus is the amen? Well, he's the truth. Man, if there is a truth, Jesus is the truth. The, The way, the life, the truth uh, we know he stated that in the New Testament, and here it's stated again. He is the truth. And, and what's connected with it is that he is also the faithful and true witness. Of what? Well, of his Father, God. Man, he came into this world. We know love because God sent Jesus into this world. We know God more today because of Jesus, him coming into this world. He is that faithful and true witness. The end of that verse says he is also the ruler of God's creation, which is significant as we get towards the end. It speaks to those who are victorious. Jesus, again, gives the harshest message uh, here Uh, over this church in Laodicea. He said, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I asked, you know, what would you like to hear? That is not something we would ever want to hear from Jesus. Isn't that right? Are you with me on that? I would not want to have those words directed to me. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Uh, Something's wrong with the church in Laodicea. Uh, I, I would say, if anything, Laodicea is not getting it right with Jesus. 
They are not right with Jesus. And I want us to identify what Jesus lays out for them is, is there is some important keys or some important lessons for us to learn in order for us to, to make sure that we are right or that we are getting right with Jesus. So let's, let's just a few steps here. The first step is this. Do not place your confidence in your wealth. You see, that was the problem with Laodicea. They were putting their confidence in their riches. And, and we know the trouble with wealth. Jesus spoke about it. There was, there was the story in, in Matthew chapter 19 of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus. And he asked, he said, okay, uh, what, what do I need to do to receive eternal life? And Jesus said, well, hey, you know, follow the commandments. And he responded, he said, well, I've done that since, since I was a youth. I've, I've done that all my life. And he even knew, knew that there was something missing because he says, what, what do I lack? And Jesus said, well, if you want to be perfect, go sell everything you have and follow me. Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And he couldn't do it. Why? And Jesus said, because he had so much. He had so much. In verse 24, it says, it is easier, Jesus said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Man, have that available, have the riches to win the lottery, whatever. But can there be anything more glorious in the way to live life? <laughs> Absolutely. The wealth that Jesus brings. When, uh, also, in, uh, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.10, he said, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. You, you have to wonder if that is the Laodiceans. Is that the Laodiceans? Have they wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs? Uh, in verse 17 in our passage, uh, Jesus says to them, You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth. And I don't need a thing. If, if we're saying that, I, I think it's a red flag. The next thing you need to ask, are you right with Jesus? I don't need anything. I've, I've got all I need. I'm taken care of. And I don't need anything. That was, that was the, the church in Laodicea. They were financially wealthy. Uh, the city itself, man, they were they were. Ex you know, they had an extensive textile industry. They had popular eye salve, which comes with, uh, like, what's, what's being said later. Uh, they had things, productivity, uh, and, and they were just rolling in the dough. <laughs> they had everything they needed, and they didn't need anything else. Verse 7, or the second part of verse 17 says, but you do not realize. I think, man, that's, that's trouble there. You do not realize. They had no idea of their, their present state, their, the reality of their present state. Because Jesus said, you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Jesus sees the reality. Even though they had everything they need, man, they had riches, wealth. They were... Wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I, I think absolutely is this. They have nothing from Jesus. They have nothing from Jesus. 
Uh, let, let me explain. I think it's important to go back and that, that idea is, well, hey, listen, you're, you're neither hot nor cold, uh, and, and you're lukewarm, and I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I'm about to just reject you and, and, and release you. What, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, it, it's interesting. This is where it comes into play is where the city of Laodicea uh, was located. They, again, they didn't build it on a place where, where there were resources. They built it on the roadway, an important roadway. But what's interesting, six miles north of them was Hierapolis. The city of Hierapolis had hot springs in it. And people would come from all over uh, to, 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 to you know, bathe in the, the, the springs, the hot springs. Uh, it was soothing. And, and if you had those aches and pains, it, it, it would relieve those aches and pains. And so people would travel to be in those hot springs. And then south of Laodicea was the city of Colossae. And in Colossae, uh, they had refreshing, pure, refreshing cold water. Uh, it was like the, the, the snow from, from the, the mountainous area there rushed down and they had a resource there of cold water. Now, now Laodicea in, the, in between, where'd they get their water? Well, it's said that there was actually a, a, a piped in from, from Laodicea. You know, the, the, the pools where people were laying and, and therapeutic, uh, that water was being brought down uh, all those miles into Laodicea. By the time it reached them, it wasn't hot anymore. It was mineralized and it was lukewarm, as Jesus said. And it was, and the key word is, it was useless. It was, it was useless. So what, do you, what is Jesus saying? Man, there is so much that I've given you or that you had available to you and you're using none of it. You're not active in anything. You claim to be my church, but you're not, you're not that hot Water that, that is soothing and, and medicinal that, that, that people are drawn to. Nor are you that cold water that people are drawn to You're to be refreshed when they're thirsty. You're neither one. You're just lukewarm water that people would travel to go get either. But they're not getting anything from Laodicea. They had nothing from Jesus. We cannot be dependent upon our wealth. We, if we learn anything, we cannot be dependent upon our wealth. We cannot come to the place of, of looking up and saying, I don't need anything. I have it all. The second lesson that we need to learn in getting it right with Jesus is this, is that we must trust in Jesus and the riches he supplies. We must put our confidence in Jesus and the riches he supplies. Now, we truly need spiritually only what Jesus supplies. Uh, let, let's face it, there's all kinds of messages. There's all kinds of religions. There's all kinds of directions that people could choose from. But, but what Jesus said is, is clear. And it, it, is, it, you know, it is this, that, that I'm the only way. The only way to the Father. And that's our message. That's our gospel message. There is no other way except through Jesus. And guess what? Jesus supplies that no one else could give. What does he supply? What does he supply? He says, buy from me these things. Gold refined by fire. Gold refined by fire. One thing that's over and over in this letter, and actually throughout all of Revelation, the message is, is, is really simple. Be faithful. Be faithful. To, to, the, 
to all the churches. It is be faithful. To the ones who are going through persecution, it's be faithful. When, you, when we even go and extend to other parts of it where there's the beast or, or other terrible, you know, terrifying things that we see, the, the bottom line is be faithful. And, and this idea, one of, the, one of the greatest things that you and I need is to have faith in what Jesus has done for us, faith in what God has provided for us through Jesus. It is, it is faith, foundationally. And that idea of faith that's refined in fire or gold that's refined in fire, you know, what is that? Except all the imperfections are being burned out, are, are, are being burned out, and it comes up with that pure gold. Well, God allows us to go through troubles. He allows us to go through difficulties, and we need to. And as we go through those difficulties, guess what's being burned out? Those places where our faith is, is maybe not as strong as it needs to be. And each opportunity, every time we go through a difficulty, it ought to be looked, looked at like this is an opportunity for my faith to be strengthened. That's what James says in chapter 1. You know, count it pure joy to go through these sufferings. Why? Because man's going to bring about perseverance and, and other things. It is that faith that is so important. And then he also offers white clothes. White clothes. What? To exchange for the well-stained fabric that we've created for ourselves by our own sinfulness to be replaced with something beautiful and white that is pure, that is righteous. There is no way for us to live the righteousness except to be covered in his blood. There is no way. And only Jesus supplies that. Only Jesus supplies that. And salve for our eyes. That, that salve, well here, they would recognize this as well. It's something that they produced. But he, you need salve for your eyes. You need to be able to recognize the truth. Healing for our eyes. Oh, man, there's a couple of things that we ought to be praying for. God, open our eyes to see the reality. That, 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 that's happening around us. Reality of my life, Lord, am I being true to you? Am I growing in faith? I think those are great prayers, and we ought to be praying those things. Jesus said in John 9, 39, he said, For judgment I have come into this world. Why? So that the blind will see. So the blind will see. He is the amen, the true and faithful witness, and that through Jesus, oh, open our eyes. Open our eyes so that we could see reality. Uh, Paul lays out salvation for the people of, of Ephesus in, in his letter to the Ephesians. He, in, in chapter 2, he lays out the salvation from, he begins that place where we are just full of our sinfulness. Brings about through faith that, that righteousness that comes into us. In verse 10, it comes to this point of saying, for we are God's workmanship. It's what he's doing in us, right? We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We are created in Christ Jesus to do either soothing or healing and refreshing things, right? The hot and cold. He created us for that. That really comes through the Holy Spirit, his work on us. We're not at some pinnacle when we receive Christ. Man, we're just at the beginnings where we get to be worked upon transformed, changed. And, and it is a process. Boy, it, it means church is important. You people are important, important for my growth and everybody sitting around you. We, are, we ought to be concerned for one another that we are adding to our lives, that we're growing. 
along with the church, man, how valuable the scriptures are to dive in, to begin to understand it. Man, when I was young, I thought, there's no way. I looked at that big book and I, oh, man, it also intrigued me because everything I believed in or every, everything that the people around me were believing in was in this book. Man, when I found out how, how secure and sound the word was, it gave me a place to stand. It gave me, and, and I've been digging through it ever since. And oh, how I want you to join me and love it. I love it and appreciate it. Oh, he, he's given us everything. We are his workmanship created for good works. He has given us everything we need. He supplies what we need. Finally, getting it right with Jesus. We find in the three verses, 19, 20, 21, that those who open the door for Jesus will be victorious. Those who open the door for Jesus will be victorious. Let me, let me go verse by verse here. Verse 19 says this. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So, so be earnest and repent. That, that idea of praying. Here's another prayer. we God, discipline me where I need discipline. Why, why would I ever want to pray? Why would I ever want to pray that? Well, you, you, know, you don't expect your children to you know, wake up in the morning, come to you, you know, right, and say, hey, first thing, hey, hey you know, if there's something I need discipline for, make sure you cover that base. Is that crazy? Or what you say, you know, I need to check out my child. That ought to be a prayer. That ought to be one of the prayers. God, Lord, if there's something I need to be corrected for. And I'll tell you why I say that, because there, there was a time some years ago when, when on a Sunday morning, I, I, was, I, was, I was preparing, getting ready to preach, and I was wrestling. I, I was having a hard time even walking through it. And it's, I, I really, I, I got to tell you, I think God was disciplining me at this time. And I, I was heavy of heart. I knew of a sinfulness that I committed earlier in the week. And, and I, I thought, I'm going to speak on, on behalf of God, and, and now he's not going to let me do it. He, I, I really felt like he wasn't going to let me do it because I was so convicted. And, and of course, I hit my knees and I prayed, and, and, and the only thing I knew what to do is I went, to, the, I went to, to my computer and I sent out an email to the person I know that I offended, and, and, I, said, and I asked for his forgiveness. And this was early in the morning. We're talking before 6 o'clock. Sent out an email and I sent it to him, and, and uh, you know, still a little stressed. Within a couple minutes, he responded. And because he responded, he sent me a phone number and we connected on the phone. And I got to tell you, that, that day, you know, it wasn't, just, it wasn't just, you know, that man, I made the connection. Wow, that's great. But I felt God's forgiveness. I felt God's forgiveness. Have you faced the discipline of God? Have you, you ever walked away and said, that was God's discipline? And I, I got to tell you that that was so amazing. Oh, I was ready to preach that morning. I remember it. I was so ready to preach because on that day, I also felt the affirmation of God. What? Because I am your child. When, when you're being disciplined and, and at the end of it, oh man, is it rough? Absolutely. It's difficult. And you go through the repentance. But at the end, you got to say, I am his child. That discipline was good. It was sweet as what I needed. And it was, it was absolutely that. Oh, hey, listen. Pray for that discipline. Pray for that discipline. 
Uh, you know, what's, what's so amazing about each one of these churches that each one, he uses the word repent. Here's what you need. You need to repent. You need to repent of these things, except for Sardis and, I mean, Smyrna and Philadelphia. They were the ones undergoing, you know, just they were told to be faithful. But any of those who needed correction, he said, repent. Throughout all these letters, man, it's heavy, it's weighty, but guess what? There is a way for forgiveness. There's a way to, to turn from the ways that you're going, the direction. Maybe it's self-centered ways. Maybe it's into riches or, or into false teaching. Whatever it is, there is a way to correct it. And it starts with this. Let me be honest before you, God, I'm wrong. I'm sinful. I'm broken. Oh, yeah, you've already received Jesus. Yeah, that message is still there. It is available to you. So as what's refreshing about these seven letters is, is the message of, oh, keep on being faithful. But it's also repent, which is a wonderful, wonderful response from God. It's not, you're done for. I'm done with you. I don't want anything to do with you. It's, man, come back in. Matter of fact, that's exactly what verse 20 says. Oh, man, let's read. I, I think this is such a, a, a wonderful way of bringing this in. And Jesus said, and, and do you hear his heart in this? In verse 20, he says, here I am. I stand at the door and I'm knocking. He's on the outside. What does that mean? Where, do, where does Jesus want to be? Man, he wants to be inside. He wants to be inside. He's on the outside and he's knocking. And, and he says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Oh, uh, yeah. Just that verse alone, what else? Oh, just the, the, the response of Jesus that he wants to come in. Uh, if, if you're living, man, you've got your eyes on your riches. That's where your dependence is upon. If, if man, you're just going your own direction, man, you got the tag Jesus. Because that's Laodicea. That's like they're tagged as the church. And they're thinking everything's good because, man, they got their wealth and everything's taken care of. But they're, remember, they're wretched, pitiful, poor, naked. If, if that's where you are, he's knocking on your door. Hey, and I believe it's something you could hear. I believe it's the Holy Spirit working upon you saying, listen, open the door. Let him come in. We're talking, about, we're talking about not just Sunday thing. We're talking about an everyday living Jesus Christ. Living with him. What's he going to do? He's going to come in. What? He's going to sit at a table. He's going to eat with you, and he's going to eat with you, and you with him. It is a fellowship. Man, there's no better place to have fellowship than over a meal. It's where you relax. It's where you're enjoying. That's where he is taking his place with you. He desires to do that with you. And as a congregation, the challenge this is really personal this morning. Each one of us needs to consider, where is Jesus? Throughout my week, where was he? Was he with you throughout the week? Was he, was he there in the morning when you woke up? Was he there when you sat down to eat while you were in your business and working? And in the evening, when it was that time to relax, was he there present with you? Was he there? Oh, because I believe that's, that's where we are not like Laodicea. He's working, he's living, he's acting and, and let me tell you what, when, when Jesus is a part of us, we're going to be either hot 
We're going to be cold. We're going to be doing things that people are drawn to and going to be refreshed by or healed by or soothed by from that Holy Spirit that's working within us. Oh, man. One more thing. We get to to verse uh, verse 21. Verse 21 is, it, it, it says, again, as it has with several of these letters, there is that person who's going to be victorious. Repentance is a big part of that. Don't forget that. It, it's not, okay, well, I'm going to go shape up and stuff. It is repentance before him. It is a repentance before him. And, and let me remind you, too, repentance is, well, please forgive me, and then go about and doing the same old things. Repentance has everything to do with getting back on track and, and straightening, straightening out and walking as Jesus is there existing within you, right? That's what repentance is. He says, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. <laughs> who is Jesus? Oh, man, he rules over God's creation. And, and where, where's the promise that we're going to sit when we're victorious? When we're living in Jesus working in me and, and, and all that, that he supplies is working in me, I'm going to be seated with him on his throne. Doing what? Ruling over all his creation. I don't deserve that. <laughs> but it's something absolutely given to us through Jesus. Yeah. Where do you want Jesus? Where do you want him? Where do you want him? Where do you want Jesus? Outside knocking, that's comforting that he wants in, but that's not where you want him. Oh man, he he needs to be in our lives. He needs to be in our lives. It's not always easy, is it? Because there's correcting and changing, and man, he does wonderful things, but there's a, there's a, a, a direction that we get that hot and that cold, and we get away from the lukewarm. It's because of what he does in us. And it is, oh man, it is a wonderful journey to know that we are, we are in Christ and, and, and in a right relationship with God. Let me go through those just one more time, then we'll be done. Here are the important things that, that you know, we need to know so that we're not rejected by Jesus, so that we're not outside of Christ. We, we cannot put our confidence in, in worldly wealth. We cannot put our confidence in worldly wealth. If worldly wealth is, man, start giving it away, would you? I mean, start giving it away, you know, whatever you need to do. Uh, uh, number two, trust in Jesus and the riches he supplies. Trust in him. He's provided, oh man, and he gives richly. He gives richly. And those who open the door for Jesus, don't forget this, they're the ones who are going to be victorious. That, that is living with the content of Jesus in our lives, his Holy Spirit, man, the work that he does within us. Ah, it, it, it would be good to hear Jesus say, no way, I'm not spitting you out of my mouth. <laughs> you are refreshing, you are soothing. You're everything that I can make you to be when I'm dwelling with, within you. The question is, I'm going to leave you with this question. Where is he? Is he outside or inside? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for this day. Lord, I, I so much praise you for, for your word. Lord, the, the gospel message, 
knowing that what Jesus has done for us, Lord, that's what makes us worthy. It's not anything that we've done. It's what Jesus has done on our behalf. And how, Lord, he wants to, to sit upon that throne within our hearts, to direct our lives. To, to, when, when Christ is upon that throne, then we could say, I have everything I need. We could have nothing that this world offers. We could be in great poverty and, and Lord, need for much you know, to survive. But, Lord, if, if Jesus is upon the throne of our hearts, we, we have to say we are wealthy, that, that we have it all. So, Lord, help us today. I especially pray, Lord, for those who have Jesus on the outside. They're just conducting themselves, maybe attending, maybe watching over internet, whatever it is, we pray, Lord, that, that you speak to their hearts, that they hear the knock, that they hear the voice of Jesus asking to come in. I pray, Father, that we move. We just don't hear good sermons or, or good passages of Scripture, but, but that we move to what we're being called to do. So, Lord, as hearts are being turned and, and spirit is moving today, we pray, Lord, that you helped and strengthen people to act. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.